Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you need to develop into a better leader, this podcast is for you. If you want to achieve a greater level of success, this podcast is for you. His mentor, Dr. John C. Maxwell, said it best, everything rises and falls on leadership. We hope to inspire you today and provide you with an insight that has the potential to positively impact the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast. All right, uh, everyone. Uh, I am uh, very, very glad uh, to be back on LinkedIn Live, and I have a very special guest today, uh, Commander Jim Wilsey, uh, retired uh, commander in the U.S. Navy Reserve. Uh, very excited uh, to see you, sir. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, yeah, I assume you're as well. Yes, uh, and uh, thank you uh, so much for uh, reaching out. I have so many uh, mentors in the Navy. You're not one of them. Uh, I just uh, got picked up for command. I had a lot of questions, and you've been a commanding officer twice now in the Navy Reserve. And thank you so much for all of the uh, tips you have given me. Can you tell us more about your leadership journey, how you came to join the Navy and why through the ranks? Well, it started in off it was uh, actually recruiter in high school because I was uh, taking a physics class and they, they uh, advertised the nuclear, you know, nuclear power. And, uh, you know, I was wanting to, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was wanting to do with life. And it looked like, okay, well, it's something I can learn a good skill. And then I have, you know, and then you know, something I can use if whether I stayed in the Navy or whether I didn't stay in the Navy. So uh, after that, I did uh, did enlist. Uh, delayed entry program went uh, became a nuclear machinist mate, you know, mechanic, and I uh, did that. And then I put in for uh, officer programs. I had gotten through the training, got to uh, to the uh, USS Enterprise, which was an aircraft carrier, and I was there for about eight months. But I found out about four months into it that uh, that I got accepted for Navy ROTC. So I went to Navy ROTC at Tulane, then I uh, got commissioned, went uh, through all the uh, officer Navy nuke schools, went to uh, uh, USS Rhode Island, which was a uh, submarine out of uh, Kings Bay, Georgia. Then from there taught uh, Navy nuclear power school for two years. Then that's where I split from active duty. That was in 2004. I went to, at the time, Florida Power and Light to be a uh, control room supervisor and get my, uh, what they call a senior act operator license so I can do it officially and legally, <laughs> stay out of trouble, but essentially turn lights on when, if you really boil it down. And then uh, from there, I joined Navy Reserve as well, literally, I left uh, the day after I left active duty um, in the reserve. <laughs> literally, that quick of a transition. Had a unit out of Orlando, and then actually very early on, I was uh, uh, selected for lieutenant commander, but wouldn't even uh, put it on yet. I got my first CO job. It kind of happened by surprise. I put the apply board. They said, uh, "Would you take something not on your list?" I said, "Sure." And then end up with a security unit out of uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. And I'm thinking, what have <laughs> I got myself into here? Because, and I'd had a little bit of it, kept falling into it too. I was also the uh, physical security force protection officer because it was a ballistic missile submarine as well. So I had a little bit of experience there, but it was one of those things. And it turned out to be probably the funnest two years I had in the, 
had in the reserve, quite frankly. We did lots of uh, really neat uh, missions and stuff like that. And then I uh, got my second CO tour was uh, in, uh, it's out of Cincinnati, NOSC, but or Navy Operational Support Center. And then, but we drilled at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So had a wow. good relationship with the Air Force. So we would do some projects for them in return. They would let me have access to their big machine shops. So to do, uh, and you know, we got to do some neat things. Now our gaining command was the, uh, was it started to be the MUS land. You got two submarine tenders still left that in the front mm -hmm. cable. So uh, long story short, you had a uh, gaining command in Guam and we provided lots of repair support. And on top of that, uh, we created a uh, guard shack that you could build, put a portable guard shack, literally uh, no piece weighed more than 25 pounds. Two people could put it together in about 30 minutes. Wow. So it was a neat thing that uh, neat cool stuff we had to do. Then from there, I went to, uh, was in a unit out of Tampa. It was the, where we went to uh, uh, Bahrain for uh, duty. So uh, I got to do uh, two international mine countermeasures exercises. So I got to actually work is unclassified. So I got to work with about 40 different navies, literally sitting in the same room as me. So that was great, great experience. Learned a lot, learned a lot, <laughs> wow. uh, you know, culturally too, you know, just a simple fact that uh, like, for example, I had a Pakistani Navy officer told me, all right, here's, we're, we're our good allies with Saudis. Here's what you have to <laughs> deal with. You know, and he, wow. and he allowed me to get ahead of situations, you know, ahead of time, and it worked out really well. So he gave me probably the best advice ever to handle that type of thing. And mm. then the uh, last, my last year in the reserve, I got to uh, facilitate senior officer leadership and advanced officer leadership courses. And that was, uh, I guess a chance to kind of impart what I've learned. But then again, on top of that, I probably learned just as much from each session that we facilitated than I taught. So, uh, wow. the lesson, yeah. That is the quite lesson, uh, fascinating. Please go ahead. So the lesson there is the leadership is a journey. You're going to keep learning more and more stuff. If you think you know it all, you, you don't. In fact, the more I learn about it, the more I realize I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. I think that yeah. Socrates said something similar to that. Really, really quite uh, fascinating because to me, the U.S. Navy, probably all of the branches of the military, we are really a leadership organization, right? We just happen to have a bunch of weapons. And uh, right. leadership was pretty important from day one, even when you are the most junior person in the entire Navy. It's like they drill leadership. Uh, into you. So what, what was your experience like? Uh, what was your initial rank as uh, enlisted and why specifically did you want to join uh, the Navy and serve in that capacity? Well, with the enlisted, it was, uh, it was a thing where it was just was going to be, uh, I saw it as a win either way. It's one of those things where, you know what, I, you know, I had some family that had been military as well. So definitely wasn't opposed to it. Thought it was a, you know, good, good way to get a good start in life. And I figured if things worked out well, I'd stay. And if not, I had a, a good trade to, you know, to do later. So, so I ended up kind of doing a hybrid when you think about it. I mean, I ended up retiring as reserve and it was a great, great experience. But, but what I did was, uh, you know, I got, 
it's really has uh, segued into a good civilian career because that's what I still do now. In fact, I just finished getting a, another license in Mississippi to run that plant. So that was a lot of work, but it's been a very good, uh, very good career. I started out as an, e, an E3, so be a uh, senior, actually fireman in my case, but, uh, and then uh, made it to Petty Officer Second Class. And then from there is when I got the opportunity to get the commission. Wow, that is, that is, that is quite uh, fascinating. And uh, what was your motivation to go from uh, enlisted to uh, ensign, to go through the uh, commission uh, program? What, what was that again? Oh, what, what was your mot motivation to go from enlisted to uh, officer? So I guess you are a true well, Mustang. Yeah, well, actually, some people say I'm not just because I would have the ROTC time. And LDO is going to tell you that I'm not, I'm not a purebred and I'm not a Mustang either. So I'm, I'm so, I don't know what I am. <laughs> but uh, no. Well, you, you, you just... are a hero to me anyway. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. So when you talk to the warrant officers and LDOs, they, they don't claim me. <laughs> but that's fine though it's we have fun we actually have fun with that but uh but no the probably the biggest reason i i, I wanted to do that is i just felt like i could do a bigger role i've always kind of ended up in leadership roles even when i didn't seek it out when i was younger it just kind of happened it was almost like it would happen happen i'd fall into the role and it would kind of at that and i just got used to doing that and it felt natural to me i don't know if it makes any sense to you but it was just mm -hmm. a, a natural fit for me in fact people will tell me they're like yeah you, it, this i couldn't imagine you doing other things you just this is what you you do well that is that is quite something and during the, the transition right from i think that they officer second class to ensign was there any awkward moment with uh, some of your uh, uh, former uh, colleagues or even chiefs, people who used to outrank you that you all of a sudden just jumped up well, the, the, the chain I, of command? Yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily, it was awkward, but it was uh, interesting. In fact, uh, one of the, my, that submarine I went to was, uh, I went to boot camp with uh, one of the people on there. And I also went to a school with another person, <laughs> you know, there. So that was a little, uh, I'm not a little, probably maybe a little weird at first, but it really didn't stay, you know, stay weird, but uh, it was uh, neat. Now, the fact that I keep running into people here and there. Wow. You know, so, knew me as junior enlisted. <laughs> so as a junior officer in the Navy, uh, what um, do you think kind of helped you be uh, successful? So if today you had to talk back you now to the uh, former you when you were an ensign or JG, like what ad advice would, would you have for a uh, GO just getting started as an officer? Uh, I would say biggest thing is uh, you got to, you got to learn how to take care of your people and, and you're going to also, but you got to be a little forgiving too, because sometimes you'll have the best intentions and you, you will try to do the right thing and it just doesn't go well. <laughs> and you just have to, you have to, you know, accept that and uh, move on. Realize you're going to make some mistakes in in that area, but uh, but I will tell you, if people know you will generally care for them and generally, uh, to you know, look to uh, take care of them in their best interests, it'll it'll come back to you tenfold. How you know, not that you do it for that reason, but it comes back tenfold. It always has. I've never regretted 
doing that. Yeah, are you going to find a couple of people here and there that might try to take advantage? Yes, so that's going to happen. But but if you were to take the whole, I've probably gained more than I've given. At least I feel that way. Wow, that is very good. I think that's really the essence of leadership, right? Taking care of your people first and foremost. But like in the Navy, we say, right, uh, mission trust people always. And uh, so in uh, total, how many years of service did you have before you retire? Uh, had had uh, what would be known as uh, just under 22 qualifying years. Wow, that is a <laughs> lot. And you went from seaman or fireman all the way up to commander, which is uh, being a senior officer in the U.S. Navy. I believe that it's less than 2% of people who join the Navy end up as commander and uh, above. How, how, how was that for you going from lieutenant commander to selection to commander? Well, for, for me, it was uh, kind of the nat. It, to me, it was almost a natural transition just because of the simple fact it was, it was, uh, you know, to me, it was just uh, time. I was, it was almost like, okay, here we, here we go. And I was, uh, you know, re ready to go with that. So it seemed like it took forever being a select. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, wait, waiting that, uh, waiting that amount of time. But uh, for me, the, the the transition was just something I welcomed just from the start. I know sometimes that you know at times can be rough because you are, you do have to look at things from a different mindset. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in different positions, but I've had a lot of experience of that in my my civilian career because there's three different positions I can fill with the qualifications I have one you're overall in charge and then there's another one where you're more of an advisor and you have to mm -hmm. shift that mindset and it's not always easy because you know you get used to doing certain things but uh before as the uh commander it was really for me if you really want to boil it down it was just taking things okay i've done leadership at this level now it's time to do it on a bigger platform wow and something about um, being uh, in charge, especially in the Navy, right? There is no job more rewarding, challenging, or higher than being a commanding officer. And you had the opportunity to do it twice. So how was it for you to trans transition from being like a de department head to commanding officer? Well, for me, for me in particular, it was, uh, it was, it, it, I found it to be a better fit. I know, you know, and uh, in fact, sometimes later on in the career, when I would do jobs that wasn't the <laughs> wasn't the CEO, I had to I had to almost force myself to stay in my lane. You know? <laughs> my my job, I just got so used to being able to, you know, just pick it up. If I just, it's really not being in charge that, that that I think about is more like, okay, I see something is necessary and somebody's got to run it, and it's time to time to go so actually it, it was a, a better fit for me than it was as a uh not I, I you know did well as an apartment head and things like that but it just seemed a more natural fit i don't know if that's a good way to explain it but that's how it felt to me well wow, that is that is um, great and also once you joined the uh, reserve right i'm assuming you had a full-time uh civilian job and doing the reserve and so many people in the navy reserve you know they also go to school they have family kids and so forth how, how was it like life work balance or life work integration? Uh, I can't say that I always did the greatest job of uh, life work balance. In fact, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it did, you know, cause stresses and strains at times. But what I would say is that, you know, you're going to have to each season in life is going to be a little bit different and you're going to have to 
you know, correct. So a lot of times certain things do that are important still do go by the wayside and it does cause some, uh, some uh, conflict here and there, but, uh, but by and large, um, if you, if you're doing the right things and, and, you know, your family, your unit or whoever will give you a little bit of, a little bit of leeway when things are a little bit out of balance. So it's very easy to let it slip. And I have done it many times. Yes. Yes, indeed. So before we get into my uh, seven favorite question, the last question I have for you, what would you advise in you? Uh, commanding officer uh, select what is there to look out for what tips would you have right so uh the biggest uh, things is uh, gather as much insight from the outgoing as possible and then uh, meet with your gaining command leadership because uh, a lot of them uh, you know depending on their experience they may have very little experience dealing with reserves so uh and some of them unfortunately have had negative experience now some have had positive experience but the bottom line is you got to understand what the expectations are and what's what they expect you to do and uh now we'll say at the gaining command i do what i call like i divide the time into thirds so if i get a 30 minute meeting with them or I'm going to make sure I only use 10 minutes of me talking because they're going to have lots of questions that are going to take the other time. So you need to spend, you may even need to spend an hour or two to get it concise to, you know, get that done properly. And then you have to meet with the Navy operational support center commanding officer, because uh, unfortunately with the Navy reserve, their goals aren't aligned with the unit mission. They are there for, the reserve was built for to begin with and that's more of a strategic being able to mobilize roles so so that is always going to be a source of conflict and the earlier you can get out ahead of it and earlier you can uh, you know work with that nasio to help you know understand what you have to do as a mission for your unit and yet do all the things that keep your unit readiness numbers where they need to be yes and then uh, get to know everybody in the unit as quick as you can, because uh, you just it's hard to advise somebody or to to try to give them the right development opportunities. You don't know what they're trying to do, you know, and, and it's easy to fall in the trap. Well, I did the, these things and this is my path. Well, two things wrong with that. One is that's a different person you're dealing with. And two is this a different time and place. So what yes. may have been great to do 20 years ago might be a bad idea now maybe it's a dying field or whatever so it's mm -hmm. takes a lot to do that so you have to learn to do that and then also uh, you have to learn to advise have, have other people help you advise them like for me if they're going to ask me how to do uh, it stuff and how to do an it career i'm like i'm going to have to send you to you or <laughs> got a couple other friends of mine in the reserve as well who have uh, done that in their civilian careers so that's who i call them like hey can you talk to <laughs> to yes. this uh, young lady here who is interested in you know it or whatever it is you know it's uh, so uh, you're not going to have all the answers and sometimes you'd have to find other people you know to uh, help them on their journey no that, that is that is so so key i've had a lot of great commanding officers throughout my career in the navy but there are a few of them i feel like right i will follow them wherever they, they they lead because i really felt a real connection like they really really cared about me the individual not yeah. just 
accomplishing the uh, the um, mission and not just telling me, oh, I care about all, all of you guys and then do something that clearly shows that they don't care about you. But uh, those <laughs> few people really uh, follow follow through and they really care about your well your well being yes. before you no know, they already put people first mm -hmm. before the uh, uh, mission. I'm like, you no, know, when I grow up, I want to be just like uh, like uh, them. And, and I think that's really what the essence of leadership is all about. Uh, all right, so uh, my uh, seven favorite question. Number one, uh, what is the greatest lesson you have learned? Treat people as individuals. Uh, you know, a lot of people were taught what was called the golden rule, treat others like you'd like to be treated. Well, uh, that doesn't always work. Everybody is, uh, everybody is different. People are going to respond to different things. Different things are going to be important than it is to, to me and you and or whoever. It's just every, it, everybody is different in that respect. And, that, and if you just, if you don't see them as individuals, you will miss many, many opportunities to help. Mm. It just, you know, you can't put people in cookie cutters. Every person has unique hopes, desires, all that stuff. And, uh, and that's why, like, you take football team or whatever. Not everybody looks the same, and they're not going to because you don't want the same. You need a different skill set for your offensive lineman than you do for a defensive back, you know, sure. or something like that. So we're all so different for a reason because a lot of times we can use that to uh, play to, you know, you know, to really multiply. You know, we're using each other's strengths and then help compensate for each other's, uh, you know, blind spots. Wow. So as a uh, commander in the Navy Reserve and uh, twice selected uh, to be commanding officer, what do you think uh, was the secret of your success? Well, um, trying to think, probably the, mo the biggest thing I can tell you with uh, just, uh, I don't have like, I wouldn't say call it any one secret, but uh, you're going to have a lot of naysayers no matter what you do. There's always going to be people saying you can't do this or oh, the guy before you failed, so you're going to fail and, and blah, and blah, and blah. So I've learned to use those kind of things as a motivation instead of a hindrance. That's probably yes. the, the biggest one I can, I could uh, give you for yes. that. Wow. That is, that is uh, very, very, Good, because not everybody has your best interest in, in mind, too. I think was it Nelson Mandela who said it's impossible until it is done. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So what, what is the greatest leadership advice you have ever received, you think? Uh, people don't know how much, don't care how much you know until they know how yes. much you care. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I've heard uh, my mentor, Dr. John Maxwell, say that, but I believe it originally came from, uh, I've heard Oprah say, say that, too. No, yes. but anyway, but but it is it is true. Really caring about people, really really caring about people makes makes a big difference. Like I don't know if you've heard there, there was a CEO who fired like nine hundred people, I think, on his Zoom Zoom call, like a three minute Zoom Zoom call. It was very uh, popular online, like last last week or the week uh, before. It was like yes, I do care about you guys, but oh by the way, you are fired. Don't you come back to work? It's like, well, I don't really think you do, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Leadership, I guess, is is not exactly like a science, but it's maybe it's a mixture of science and art. Um, just being able to to deal with people and influence them uh, to do yeah. the right thing in their personal develop, development and for the uh, org, the organization. So, how how, how would you d this 
describe being a leader, but really dealing with um, people. Describe that. Well, to me, I consider it an investment. I mean, mm -hmm. when, you, when you deal with people, you really need to invest. It sounds crazy because everybody thinks of that like financial or whatever invest, but yes. you're investing in the person. You invest in the person. It it really does. And you and if you want to put in financial terms, you get great return on your investment. You really do. That is that is something. so true. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it takes time too, right, to build the relationship and uh, to gain trust, trust and confidence. It does. It it really does. Yeah, because I, I feel like when I first joined the, the Navy, some of the commanding officer I had you know, almost 17 years ago, it was almost like, you know, I am the skipper, I am in charge, we do it because I said so. But then uh, I saw some other commanding officer, they went loud, they went shouting or anything, but they, they had that leadership presence. It's like, you know, I care about you. And it's, it's almost like uh, uh, they motivate you to do the right thing without shouting, without telling you. I am the boss, but everybody knows he or she is the, the, the boss, but they didn't have to say it. And, and, and I feel like that is so, so powerful. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it is. And, and, and those, and those people you can see where you can tell right away. It's, yes. <laughs> I still remember when I was working at McDonald's in high school and then this, uh, lady regional manager came in, she didn't say a whole lot, but I knew she was in charge. No <laughs> doubt. I mean, there was. She have to say anything. <laughs> that is that is so awesome when when that happens. So my second question: uh, What are you learning now? Uh, right now, I'm working on. Uh, so I came through a very busy season in life. So right now, I'm uh, working on reducing bodily inflammation via the diet specifically tailored to the individual. Hmm. And and the gist of that is what you'll do is that a lot of people are familiar with foods that would make you allergic you know, have yes. like a, you know, immediate bad reaction. But nowadays there's the technology to test for things that cause an irritant to your body, but it's not something you may notice right away or even notice at all. Or mm -hmm. you may even, you may have a condition, you have no idea why it's happening. You're itchy all, or whatever it is all the time. So what you do is they can test to see what your body's reactive to as well. So I've, I've done that recently and uh, working on uh, changing the diet, having to give up some favorite foods. Like, for example, I have to give up cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving because cranberry I react to. So it's one of those wow. uh, type of things there. So it's just a big, uh, I know it sounds uh, off topic for leadership, but uh, in my case, uh, there's uh, I've just joined a new operating crew and a lot of people, People are uh, yes. in my line of work. Uh, do not health is not prioritized, and there's a lot of people operating crew that is starting to prioritize their health. So, yes. so no, it's uh, good to do that along with them. Absolutely, actually, I think one of the leadership principles right, you have to take care of uh, your body, your health, emotional health included, right? Yes. Uh, yes sir. Like yeah. I, I've always said, no. If it wasn't for the Navy, I would have never been fit. Right? I remember the first time I had to run a mile and a half. I've never <laughs> run a mile and a half in my life. I thought I was going to die. I'm like, what in the world? But yeah, I mean, I just kept practicing, practicing, and then you, you, you kind of have to, right? And uh, yes. yeah, it looks like there is a connection between spirit, not mind, and uh, body. If you don't have a good body, and this is the only body you've 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 got, right? I remember at one point I was having some some issues with with my back, like nothing else mattered, right? It's like if you have any issue with, with your body, it's like, you know, 
this is the most yeah. important thing in life, and it really, really is, right? Uh, and, and I know many people think about, you know, what is urgent, and they always take off what's urgent, but they forget about what is important, but maybe not urgent, but important, non, 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 right. non, nonetheless. So your health Absolutely. is definitely extremely, extremely mm -hmm. important. Yeah. yeah, you only get one life to live, right? So uh, what, what is the greatest investment you have made in yourself? I know you've invested a lot in other uh, people and people who served under you. Uh for me, it's been uh, well wellness and health. Um, I took a, a leadership classes when I was a, it was doing a MBA at the Citadel while I was teaching Navy nuke school and uh, had a uh, two had a Marine two star come in. And his one advice too is like, you need to take care of your health. He goes, if you want to have a long career, no matter what it is, what you're doing, he goes, most people whose careers go shorter and a lot of people think, okay, athletic career, you have to take care of yourself, but it works for all careers. So, uh, you know, that really did stick with me and, you know, to, uh, take care of that. Whereas in my early life, it was all due to athletic stuff to perform better, but now it's to, uh, you know, to, to do that. So I can't do any of the other things if that fails. That is so true. And, uh, in the military, I know I've never ever, I don't know if you are, but I've never ever ever seen a senior Marine officer obese or fat ever. Now, for the Navy, that's something else. The Army, yes, I'm yes, not so sure. But uh, taking care of your uh, physical health is so important yes. and critical uh, because really, mm -hmm. without it, you don't have anything, right? Right, right. You, you, you really don't because then becomes a sole focus. You can't focus on anything else. Kind of like that uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, you need to be healthy to worry about any of the other stuff as you go up the little pyramid that's drawn. Yes, that is that is so so true. So, question number three: How has failure shaped your life? Uh, develop the ability to learn each lesson from each failure, because uh, the thing about it is, it's it's trying to tell it's trying to tell you something. You know, whether you believe in spiritual deity or not, it is happening and is trying to tell you, you need to change your approach. Do I need to do soul search? Do I need to change life direction? Do I have vulnerabilities on, on what I'm doing and techniques like in athletics, you know, a lot of times I learn my vulnerabilities, you know, like, uh, hitting, like hitting baseball and batting practice. You may not realize you have a uh, hitch in your swing until somebody throws the ball really hard and you don't catch up to it. You have to change your, Approach now. It's a simple example, but the idea is that you learn. You have to learn to take the lessons from those as painful as they are sometimes. Yes, that is that is so true. Uh, are you open to share about what you believe is like your greatest failure so far? Because one thing I have noticed is uh, most people they only look at the good, positive things, right? Oh, this person is so talented. They they are. It's, it's almost like everything they touch turns into into gold. But the reality is, for you to be successful, you have to go through a lot of failures. Right, and uh, one of my biggest failures is trying. Trying is I I failed in taking care care of my people, and it wasn't due to lack of effort. In fact, if if anything, I I uh, tried a little too hard and pushed in the wrong direction. What it was, I was trying to uh, get. It was a security unit, and I was trying to get them into some training. And I, I, and I felt the uh, command in charge of that training was giving me to run around. So I uh, pushed a little too hard and I think I angered them. So they made it their mission to not let them get that training. 
So that was uh, awfully embarrassing. And I had to tell him, hey, you're not going to school because I screwed up. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, really, the, the, the way uh, you, you learn to treat people, all all people, like I said, it's not really a science, but it's, it's more like an, an art. Then I think people eventually figure out that you really, really care. But uh, yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> So yeah. question number four, who do you know whom we should know? Who are some of your mentors or thought leaders you are okay. following now? Well, uh, especially uh, in this case, it was the same unit, actually. Is my, he was my SEL, and he's also a retired law enforcement. His name is George Shea. Now spelled uh, his French last name, so spelled C-H-A-I-X. But uh, uh, I tell you what, uh, given that Around, around the uh, country, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, animosity to how, like, uh, law enforcement has been carried out. Well, this guy is the example of how you do it right. Wow. Big example how you do it right. For example, we did, uh, they did the USS New Orleans commissioning. This is in 2007. It was in downtown New Orleans near the aquarium. And uh, there was a lot, you know, a lot you know, a lot going on, on, of course, you know, and, uh, anyway, uh, we basically were plain clothes with NCIS outer. And then you had like a Navy security that was fenced in by the ship. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so anyway, the day of the commission, of course, you're always going to have some protesters and they had, we, we had some, and, uh, he like diffused the situation before it could even become a situation. So he literally just comes up and you know his plain clothes and just introduces himself and he just simply goes, "Y'all gonna play nice? We're gonna play nice." <laughs> he goes, and just from there, there was no you know there was no issues. It was that that simple, like you know just to get out ahead of that, yes. you know, and stuff like that. So and he's done many many other examples of that type of stuff. So you know it's, it's almost like he's got a gift to like, you know get rid of a problem before it even happens. It was, you know. Wow, that is really amazing. Because I I really believe like the uh, number one characteristic for a good leader is leading by example. Uh, People won't always do what you say, but they will always do what you do and follow you. Uh, Actually, it works with children also. Uh, I remember my father of two girls. And uh, if I don't do what I'm saying, then they, they, they will not even listen. But uh, they always watch their parents, at least in my experience. So, if if you could choose three people to have dinner with, who would you choose and why? They don't have to be alive; they could be historical figures as, as well. Yeah, well, I, I do ha- do have that. The first one is is a lesser known uh, Mac Robinson. That was actually the nickname. It was actually Matthew McKenzie Robinson, and uh, his uh, younger brother was the famous one as Jackie Robinson. The uh, oh. Singer. Yeah, baseball player. Well, also, he uh, was on the same track team with Jesse Owens in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Wow. In fact, uh, if it weren't for Jesse Owens, he would have been the uh, world record holder in the 200 uh, meters. He, uh, They both broke the old world record. He got the silver, and uh, Jesse Owens got the gold. Wow. So... And on top of that, he, he lived a longer lifespan. He lived to be 85 years old. Whereas, uh, Jackie Robinson was on, he was in his early 50s when he had, uh, he had passed along. So so really, it's almost me cheating on this little... <laughs> <laughs> it's 
that's good. You say three people. Well, now I'm using one, and I get three out out of that uh, particular person. That that he's got a, also had a longer lifespan. He lived from I believe it's like 1914 to like 2000. So he has wow. seen lots of uh, you know lots of a change. So you know, so then it would be things like asking, okay, you know, how far have we come? And then have you seen all this? Now what? do we still need to do? And I think he would have a lot of insight to that, you know, because wow. he has lived, you know, a span of that. And, you know, the Berlin Olympics, that was very controversial. Yes. And uh, we'll put this way, Hitler was none pleased that <laughs> <laughs> yes. all that, all that happened. So, uh, so, so in any case, you know, that's how I get, that's how I get there. Now I do have uh, two others, uh, Roger Stahlbach, who is Navy as well. So really for him, it's three reasons. He, he, had, he had to have leadership success over a long time and over different, wildly different areas. So Vietnam War, mm. so he's in that. Then he goes to goes to the NFL and did very well there. And then on top of that, until recently, he was the basically highest, richest athlete ever. And he made most of his money after Whoa. he was spoke. Yeah, he was somewhere in the neighborhood about six hundred million. Now, oh, I think goodness. LeBron wow. James is, is eclipsed that now, but it, you know what I mean. So he did all this stuff for all these years. So he has there, he's got to have some good leadership to do all that. Nice. So very very big one there. And then my uh, then I got one other. It'd be uh, uh, Vice Admiral Braun retired. She was mm -hmm. the uh, first uh, uh, female chief of the Navy Reserve, and on top of that, even before, even when she was Captain Braun, I I never got the opportunity to meet her, but um, even when she was Captain Braun, I heard great great things about her. Everybody wanted to work for her. They said she was a great leader, great great one to work with. That and uh, also she had to navigate some stuff with leadership. Tough. When I first got that last job in the reserve teaching the leadership courses, the gaining command for that was being uh, dismantled, take dissolved all the way. It was uh, Center for mm -hmm. Personal and Professional Development. And they were like, okay, we're going to reduce your billet down to a year and they may be, we may be done with this. And she's like, no, we are not <laughs> done with this. Leadership is one of my, one of my top five priorities so uh, she navigated to where the uh, they got got put into leadership and ethics under the Navy War College in Rhode Island to wow. continue that leadership program. So you know, with a lot of financial pressures to to uh, chop leadership training, she fought against it and won. Awesome! Well, yeah, really a living legend for uh, sure. It's 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 really quite. Um, Amazing. I, I really feel like the the Navy really gives a lot of ch chances to, I, let me just put it this way, it's more much more diversified than most of the workforce I have ever, ever seen. Uh, and uh, wow, it, that is that is that is quite amazing. So for question number five, what have you read that we should read? Uh, what is uh, what are some of the, the, the best books you've read recently? Yeah, well, uh, I would call the one is how full is your bucket? I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was by uh, Tom Rath and uh, Donald Clifton. And it's basically all about trust. 
and establishing trust. Um, and another thing is they actually quantified some stuff like for as you need to have, like they said, you need to have a minimum of five positive interactions for every one that's either neutral or negative in each person mm -hmm. to have a good trusting relationship. So they also gave it, you know, an antidote about, uh, Vietnam war, there was, uh, you know, some people got captured and, you know, became prisoners of war. And the trust was so low was uh, there was a colonel who told uh, a junior enlisted person to, uh, hey, don't eat that food. You're going to get sick. And the trust was so little. He's like, well, we're, we're POWs now. You're not in charge here anymore. And unfortunately, mm. I did get different and die. And, you know, they're, you know, seeing how, you know, unfortunate is that. Whereas if you had trust, that could have been prevented, that yes. type of thing. And the uh, second author, Donald Clifton, he wrote this as he knew he was dying. So this was like he wanted, it was important to get that work out as, you know, so he, you know, before he uh, passed on. Hmm. Well, so. thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing. And by, by the way, I am adding the, the link on uh, Amazon to this book. This way okay. uh, people could uh, purchase, purchase it. A lot of people who do follow me uh, read quite uh, a bit. Thank you. And uh, my next question then is um, number six. Uh, what have you done that we should do? Uh, what is one action you have taken that has positively impacted your life? Yeah, well, it goes back to what I talked about a little bit earlier about learning to utilize the naysayers as a source of inspiration instead of a hindrance. That nice. I, I, I think that is because you're always going to have that. There's always going to be somebody who will tell you you can't. I mean, just look at uh, look at some of the greatest uh, NFL football players. They got people mm -hmm. every day on TV talk shows telling them they're not going <laughs> to do this and they're going to get beat and blah and blah and blah. Yes. A lot of them have learned to do the same thing. So that's the, that would be the one I would, would say right there. Don't let people, you figure out if you can't do it or not. Don't let someone else tell you you can't do it or not. That is, that is so true. I think it's a, it's a great uh, secret for success around the both for, yeah. for, for sure. So if you only had one and only one day to live, what would you have liked your final contribution to be? Well, let as many people know that they were, that they're loved and what they did mattered. And you make it as many phone calls as possible to, you know, to, to let them know that. I mean, that's really, uh, at that point, I, I had a call till it was, uh, over. Wow. Probably when he bothered sleeping. Yes. I, I think that is so important. So the very final question, uh, how can we add value back to you? How can we make a difference? Yeah, uh, pay, pay it forward. You know, that's that's the thing a lot of people have asked me and I've helped them out. They're like, well, how can I repay? I said, well, you help the next person that needs it. You know, there's going to be some person that may remind you of you or somebody or your sister or whoever. It could be and go ahead and uh, help them out. Don't worry about me. Help somebody else. Well, you've heard it from the uh, commander. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Commander Jim. We'll see. Really appreciate your time on the show. I think it's very inspirational. And uh, uh, thank you so much. So this was uh, BZ from uh, Silicon Valley. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you like what you heard, 
please subscribe to our channels and come back for more wisdom nuggets on how you may develop into a better leader and achieve greater levels of success. Leadership is the most critical skill. The world will always need leaders to lead others, deploy the next disruptive technology, or execute a business strategy. You may as well decide on counting yourself among the 21st century leaders. See you right here next time on the Leadership and Success Podcast with Coach BZ.